came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come into America. Good morning, New York. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here Sunday morning. We have Governor David Patterson to give us an update on the budget from the Democratic point of view, from the Republican point of view, or Paul Zuber, Senior Vice President of the New York State Business Association, Nicole Galinas on her analysis of the budgets. Mozzie Phillips, she's running for the Congress, and she believes in common sense. And we're going to look up in the sky with Dr. Sky, otherwise known as Steve Cates. And uh, let's start off with our friend Michael Stoller on what's going on in real estate in New York. Good morning, this is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. What's going on in the real estate market with regard to legislation? What's happening with the 421As? What's happening with, with items like MEMA and other topics? Good cause of eviction. I don't know the answers, but today I brought the expert over here. I have a partner who is the co-chair of the firm's administrative law department at Belkin, Burden, and Goldman. Carol Ratowski. Hi, good morning. Thanks for being here. So let's talk about the end of the year. A lot of legislation was pending. What's what's really happening? Yeah. Well, um, in June, the legislature uh, passed two bills um, that were extremely damaging to owners. uh, And they have been sitting there waiting uh, for the governor to act. Um, We were hoping that she would not act. Um, and just let them die. What what effect to owners? You said they would drastically having an effect. Just a couple of highlights. Um, under uh, rent stabilization code, if uh, prior to the enactment uh, or the passage of these bills, um, if you had two apartments that were vacant and you combine them. That was the Godfather provision? It was the Frankenstein provision. Oh, the Frankenstein. Okay, Godfather uh, and Frankenstein. Right. Um, if you combine two vacant units, you were able to then charge a first rent. And that first rent would be subject to stabilization. But you were able to then bump up the rent to what market would would bear at that point. And and most of these units have been vacant for either occupied by long term regulated tenant for decades, um, or uh, vacant for a while. So to be able to create new housing, um, new quality housing was very important. And it also gave owners the ability to now recoup some of what they've lost over the years. You know, these, these market rate units, whether they're deregulated units or they're just market rate stabilized, that's what subsidizes the regulated units in the building. And if you're not able to do that and you're not able to bring rents up to at least a portion of the building. Right. I mean, taxes, insurance and all the other Insurance is off the wall, taxes, water, sewer, everything. So that that was a a, a provision which owners relied on. And under the new legislation, there is going to be now a a different methodology for calculating that first rent. And what is that method? So currently... Um, if if the bill is passed, is signed without amendments, 
to that section. Then for if you have two rent-regulated units, rent-stabilized, and you combine them, you are only able to charge the last legal rent of each of those units combined, plus any improvement increase, which is a maximum of either $83 or $88. And which doesn't even pay for the plumbers to just walk into the building. That's not even correct. I mean, I, I had a client, I was on the phone this morning with a client who said to me, my the cost of renovating a recently vacated unit um, that had been occupied for 30 years, although ma- maintained, it needs to be updated. And it, the cost of that was a minimum of $65,000. And I had to tell him that because his building has more than 35 units in it, the maximum he's going to get is $83 a month. So does it pay for owners to do those renovations? No, it no longer pays for owners to do those renovations. The problem is, is that owners are not the only ones that are losing on a provision like that. So are the tenants. So are the tenants. My question is, why would an owner even get involved in this today? Why would people go out and buy new buildings? Now, I mean, not build new buildings, but, you know, buy investment sales property. Well, I mean, that's that's a good question. I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, is that New York is still unique um, and real estate is cyclical. And if you look back to when I was a child in the 70s uh, to what, where we are now, you can see the, the pattern. You can see what happened to housing over the years and how it's come full circle. So I think that there are owners out there. I know there are because I deal with them on a daily basis. There are owners out there who are in it for the long term, and they know that there are ups and downs. And they are certainly discouraged as to what's going on now, but they are invested in New York. And then you have buyers who had always wanted to get into New York, but couldn't afford to do so. And they're seeing this as an opportunity now, especially since interest rates hopefully will be coming down a bit. Um, so we, we have definitely seen a renewed interest um, since the Fed has announced interest rates coming down in, in December, almost immediate. Let's talk about good cause eviction. What's your thoughts? And what, what is it? So good cause eviction apl- would apply to all units that are not subject to rent regulation currently. So any free market unit. And, and the drafts of the bills that have been floated out there um, over the past several years uh, would not exempt, for example, a condominium unit um, that you own and that you're renting out. So all, so any free market residential units would be covered, presumably, at least under the drafts that, that are out there now. It hasn't passed here in New York State statewide yet. There are some jurisdictions upstate, smaller jurisdictions that have passed it. There are jurisdictions outside of New York that have passed it. New York has very heavy, uh, stringent rent laws to begin with. I'm hoping that the existing laws that are there will forestall or prevent the signing of good cause eviction. Um, But ultimately, it may happen. I'd like to thank you so much for being here. And now I understand why everybody needs a good administrative lawyer who understands the legislation. See you next week. Thank you. Thank you. This is the Cash Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catch Roundtable. With us today is Governor David Patterson. Governor Hochul has come out with her budget, 
And we need an analysis of somebody that knows what really is going on with those budgets. Governor, give us your good, bad, and ugly, or whatever, if there is any ugly, in what the budget that Governor Hochul has laid out for New York State. Well, the New York Post doesn't think it's good. They said, and I quote, that uh, Hochul's solution to the budget problems is more spending. Now, I don't understand how they could write that. This year's budget is approximately $233 billion. Last year's budget was approximately $229 billion. So this is a 1.8% increase in budget spending, which is 20% of the inflation rate. So I would say that this is a very fair and balanced approach that Governor Hochul has taken. I mean, you can say anything and get a headline, but she is really weighing in on a lot of issues. She is hoping to extend mayoral control of the school system for four years. It was extended by the legislature two years, a couple of years ago. The legislature, even more than the governor, is questioning how the city runs the educational system. That ought to be a very interesting discussion and negotiation and perhaps disagreement in the next couple of months. Uh, one thing Governor Hochul did that Republicans are applauding all over the state, she will not raise taxes on the rich. And she was very emphatic about it. It reminded me of in 1989 when President George Herbert Walker Bush said, read my lips, no new taxes. Actually said it in 1988 in his campaign speeches, but was forced to raise taxes because of the 1991 deficit. She's going to stick to that. And I think that's uh, very important because right now you've got a situation uh, where uh, the controller, Tom DiNapoli, gave a report that in 2021, twice the number of people moved out of New York who were making $500,000 a year and over than in 2019. So there is really a race to get out of the city. And as Governor Hochul pointed out in her State of the State address, some of the places they're going are New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania. So they are, you know, this is how expensive the city has become. There are going to be millions of dollars to combat shoplifting that's in, in her budget. That's going to be, I think, a very difficult thing to actually make happen. It's a great idea, but really best way to, to stop shoplifting is to give the police and the store owners the opportunity to stop the action when it's actually happened. So it was interesting that Republicans were more favorable to the budget than usual and were very fair about their criticisms. One of the aspects of putting a budget out is it's the baseline for a negotiation. And right now, the Democrats have supermajorities in the state Senate and the Assembly. And there's a feeling that she may override a lot of what she wants to do. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think she's had a very good relationship with them. It was a stormy beginning. And, uh, her judge was shot down and um, her first budget really didn't address crime. But I think they've worked together very well over the past few years, and she is going to give $2.4 billion back to the city to handle the migrant situation. And she really talked about the need to do this. And I thought that the really thoughtful and just in terms of strategy approach of the governor was to lay everything out at the feet of the federal government, but not say it. You know, sometimes candor is not the best uh, solution when you're negotiating. She didn't say really a bad thing about the federal government, 
But and the word migrant we never came up. Right. It, 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 well, it didn't come up in her state of the state address, but it did come up yesterday in her budget. Uh, not yesterday, uh, last Wednesday. What yes. am I talking about? In her budget presentation. So I think that this is a, a, a good baseline, and I think the players all understand what the game is going to be this particular year. One thing, though, that I did want to talk about, John, was and Rita, I believe it was Monday, Martin Luther King's birthday, had Mayor Adams on as a guest, and I thought he was fantastic. And he pointed out some things that really aren't known, two in particular. One is that people talk about taking the migrants and shipping them someplace else, but you can't because they're not illegal. They're not illegal aliens. You can't put them out of the country. They were paroled into the country by the government. So well, that's, that's one a, that, that, that is a... That me and you may disagree on because of the fact that uh, they somebody taught them what to say when they cross the border that they they are uh, what do you call it uh, seeking asylum. Yes, I mean which is a lot of BS. The whole world seeks asylum. We can't take a billion people into the United States, uh, Governor. Well, I mean well, I agree, enough but, with this. But... You know, I, I went at it. I went at it the other day with. Uh, with Anthony Weiner, this asylum is a lot of BS. It may be, but if you want to change the law, you change the law. You can't start enforcing a law that's not on the books. I'd then be what totally do you what do you do to of... the lawyers that stand on the other side of the border and brief them what to say? The American well, lawyers, the citizen, American citizens, briefing them what to say to get into the country. Will be fine with me. The American lawyers who cross the border that tell them what to say when they get in the country stayed on the other side of the border since they like going there so much. Yeah. But the but the point is that there are times when something may be wrong morally, but the fastest way to address that would be through the law. And I don't think too many people would oppose that right now if if we change the laws about people who just come into the country. But his point is that the the federal courts would come down on him. If he took a an action that's outside of what the jurisdictional law is right now, and I thought that he totally sympathizes with the problem, and he is the one who really took the hit for pointing the finger at the federal government in the first place, and now you see mayors from washington d c Denver, Colorado, Chicago, Illinois doing the same thing so i I thought it was a great interview that you all had with him uh, look I, I think he's trying. Uh, I said to Mayor Adams, sometimes you, you just have to put your foot down because the people of the city of New York will back you up if you put your foot down, no matter what the theoretical law is. Well, you can do that, but as he explained to you and Rita, the sanctions they can put on him, the same people who pushing him into the fight with the school bully will not be around when the fight starts. Well, thank you, Governor Patterson, and uh, thank you for your wisdom, and thank you for telling us the truth. Like I said, the only thing we disagree on is this asylum BS, that I call it, because you can't allow a billion people to come into the United States of America uh, because they, a billion people want to co commit asylum, and enough is enough, uh, Governor. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. It. What does BS stand for? Bull something. <laughs> so, uh, are we uh, are we allowed to say bull crap? Yeah, we could say that. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you, Take Governor. Care. The Cats Roundtable. With us uh, today is Paul Zuber, 
the senior vice president of the Business Council of the State of New York. And uh, there's new budgets out. The New York State uh, has uh, has done their budget. Uh, the governor has. And, and he, the mayor of New York has done his budget. So let's get an update from uh, Paul Zuba. Paul, what say you today? Um, what I what I say today is, uh, you know, there there are some positives with with both um, budgets. I, I I was I commend Governor Hochul for holding the line on taxes. I commend her for finally realizing there's a problem with retail theft. I commend her for realizing there, there's a problem with affordability um, in New York in New York State. Um, but I but I think one of the things that everybody's missing here is. There's, there has been a serious out-migration of people from New York State. And although the governor's budget has done some good things, I don't think it goes far enough to deal with the troubling signs that we're seeing without migration. Just to kind of give everybody who's listening a little bit of context. Since 2019, it's estimated that there's been a net decline of 545,170 residents um, from New York. Of those, 355, over 355,000 have come from the city of New York, where people have just, just left the state. You know, and, and I think when we talk about affordability, that's great. But what we have to realize now is we're in a competition. That's what we're not realizing. We're in a competition with other states, like never before, because of the changes in how businesses do business, right? You know, because of Zoom, because of things like that, we don't have to be in the state. Other states offer just as much entertainment and cultural activities as New York does. So until we realize that we're in an out-and-out competition, I don't think we're doing enough to stop that out-migration. Because in that competition, yes, affordability is important. Housing is important. If you live in upstate New York, Property taxes are through the roof. You can't buy a house. You can't buy a house on Long Island. But, you know, and added under that is infrastructure, energy costs, um, food costs. All those things go into it, and we are in a full-fledged competition. And, and the last thing I'll, I'll say to that is, you know, a lot of these politicians today, particularly in New York, they like to, to point to California when it comes to all these new and wonderful uh, different pieces of legislation that they're doing. But, you know, our, our elected officials also have to remember, California is a completely different state than New York. Why is it completely different? Because geographically, it's completely different. If you leave California, although there has been a, a large out-migration in California, it's much harder to leave because where do you go? Maybe Colorado, maybe Washington, sort of Nevada. You know, people have been moving to Texas. But in New York, we're competing with Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, District of Columbia, Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida, because all of those are easy, easily accessible by businesses and, you know, New Yorkers. So I think that there's a lot of positives in the budget, but I do think that we're failing um, to understand that this is a full-fledged competition now, and it has more to do, and affordability is just a portion of what we have to do. Now, a lot of, you know, this number of, what, what did you have, 500,000? Yeah, it's estimated that over 545,000 people have left New York since since 2019. So I'm not even, 
I'm not even going just slightly before that, but that's around the number since 2019. Um, so how many have moved in? Is there, a, is there a debit credit number? I mean, uh, X amount have moved in versus moved out? I don't, have a, I don't have the debit credit number in, in front of me, but it, it, hasn't, it hasn't kept pace. Let's put it that way. And, and yes. I'll give you a perfect example. The, the financial services in, in, in New York State, although it only makes up 5% of our employment, of, of employees in the state, financial services industry makes up 16% of New York State's gross domestic product. Over the last several years, the United States has seen a uptick in financial services jobs, well over around 300,000 new jobs in the financial services industry. While other places like Florida and North Carolina have seen an incredible uptick in the number of financial services jobs that have been created in their state, New York has remained flat and slightly a slight dip. So we're not even, we're not even keeping our, our, our we're not even growing our fundamental, uh, our, one of our, our biggest industries, one of our biggest moneymakers. Um, you know, uh, employees who, who make up the majority of our, our, our tax base. So I, so I think the problem is that, again, we're in these competition with these other states, and we have to realize that we, it's, it's a lot different than it was before. Um, there's a bill out there that by uh, Assemblyman um, Santa Barbara, who's an upstate assemblyman, and Senator Jamin Tedisco, who's an upstate um, senator, um, to form a commission to, to, to look at out-migration and, and to work with people and try to figure out what it is that we can do to stem this. And until people start talking to bi- putting business in a room along with a bunch of other people to figure out what is causing this, I don't think we're ever really going to truly get to the problem. Um, you know, because the problem is the problem is across the board. It's not even just businesses. If you're a young entrepreneur, if you're a young minority entrepreneur, why would you start a business in New York with high workers' comp, high taxes? No, I mean, That's you want to go? You rather go to Tennessee or North Carolina, South Carolina, and oh, Georgia? And in Georgia, you, you saw, you know, John. There was an article in the New York Times that that, that said why are African Americans are leaving uh, New York City. And what they found was most African-Americans are going to Georgia. They're going to Atlanta. Why? Because there's opportunity. If you're young and you want to be an entrepreneur, you have a better shot in Atlanta than you do in, in, in New York. And that shouldn't be the case. I mean, we should be winning the competition. We're supposed to be the financial capital of the world. And it's become a real problem. And I commend the governor for, again, not raising taxes and doing those things. But we have to look at cutting taxes. We have to look at figuring out how to, how, to, how to improve our workforce. We have to figure out all the things that encompass a competition with another state, because until we do that, we're, we're going to keep losing people. And we keep losing people, we lose tax revenue, right? And then all the, all the, the programs that we all want to fund become impossible to fund. And it's already very clear, and a lot of estimates are, that New York could possibly lose three congressional seats in the coming years. And we lose political power. So yes. it's a very concerning thing, and it's a very concerning thing for the business community um, as a whole because we're very worried about what New York will look like 10 years from now. Absolutely correct. Well, Paul, thank you for uh, reporting in, and uh, I hope uh, all our uh, listeners are listening, and I hope our politicians are listening because New York will be on the slide if we don't fix it soon. Well, if they're not listening, I'm going to go see them. I'm going to go see them next week in Albany, and I'll make sure they start listening. Thank you, Paul Zuber, uh, New York State uh, Food Council, and uh, no, New York State, New York State Business Council. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Thank you. This is the Catch Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catch Roundtable. With us today is Nicole Galinas, and she is a uh, columnist at the New York Post and a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Nicole, the budgets are out in the New York City. The budgets are out in New York State. The, the governor has spoken. Uh, tell us what this all means. Sure. Good morning, John. Thanks for having me on again. Well, the mayor and the governor are somewhat at odds with what they're saying. The mayor, in presenting the city budget, is acting as if things are a lot better than they were in November. So last November, which is not all that long ago, it's only two months ago, he was saying we're in a major crisis, we're not going to be able to add new police classes, we're going to close the libraries on both weekend days instead of just Sundays, uh, we're going to cut all kinds of after-school programs. So he, he kind of painted a picture of a dire situation. Now, two months later, He's saying things are miraculously better. The city tax revenues are coming in better than expected. He doesn't have to cut the police. Uh, Only the libraries have to be closed on Sundays, not both weekend days. But the governor is telling a different story. You know, the governor is is saying we're we're having to eat into our reserves, even though we're not in a recession. She needs to take half a billion dollars from reserves to pay for the migrant spending. And the governor, at least to her credit, is saying that we – we're going to have to cut spending. She says, you know, we, we've been increasing education and Medicaid spending in particular by double, double digits over the past few years, including the previous two budgets that she was responsible for. And we just can't keep that up forever. The problem is she's not actually doing it. You know, she's still increasing state funded spending a little bit faster than inflation because as the federal COVID relief money goes away, she's, she wants to make up for that with state taxpayer money. You know, that can't last forever. I mean, event, trying to fill this, this federal spending with state spending rather than cut back a little bit as that federal spending goes away, that would be a better idea. But both of them agree that the migrant crisis is not going anywhere. The city projects we're going to have 90,000 migrants in city shelter by by the fall. That would be up from 70,000 today. And the city projects that the migrants are not going anywhere. They're, we're going to have 90,000 uh, migrants in city shelter indefinitely. So the city's still spending at least $4 billion a year on migrants, and the state planning to spend $2.5 billion a year on migrants in the next budget. Tell us, uh, did something really happen in the budgets? Uh, was it anything different, or did Mayor Adams, uh, people that uh, uh, add up the numbers, miscalculated in November? What do you think happened? What do you think the difference is? And Governor Hochul said they had some... Uh, unanticipated positives in what happened, uh, and that's why they were better off, too. Um, Just tell us the truth, whatever. Yeah, I think it's more that the city was purposely trying to make things seem really bad in November because the mayor thought, he would get President Biden's attention. You know, the mayor was going around all last summer and fall saying migrant crisis is going to destroy the city. This is the worst fiscal situation the city has seen in in decades and making all of these uh, threats of cuts to, to basic public services, you know, not just the police, but picking up the garbage and so forth. I think the mayor thought, you know, Biden would say, 
well, we can't have this uh, having the the biggest city descend into chaos would be bad for reelection against uh, against Trump. The mayor hoped Biden would come through with billions of dollars in federal money. That hasn't happened. The White House seems to have no interest in helping the city out with the migrant crisis. So as soon as the mayor realized Biden didn't really care what he was saying, he kind of had to backtrack because people are blaming the mayor for all of these service cutbacks. You know, his approval rating is at record low for any mayor. So he knew he kind of had to reverse some of his proposed cuts and show the numbers looking better. Unfortunately, it doesn't do much for his own credibility. I think the governor has been more steady. You know, the governor's change in projections is not as dramatic as the mayor's. And the governor was not going around saying that we're in a major crisis. And so there's less surprises in the governor's budget than there were in the mayor's budget. As far as, you know, and I, I saw Kathy Wild a couple of days ago and I said, oh, with the budget, we used to have three strikes and out on Rockefeller. I mean, what is it now? Is it 15, 20, 25? I mean, right. at what point do we put some of these people away because they're, they're not, they shouldn't be living with uh, other human beings? Right. It's an unlimited number of strikes with, with many, many crimes, uh, including shoplifting. I mean, they're prosecuting recidivist shoplifters only after dozens and dozens of arrests. Um, you know, the governor is, is talking very well on crime, both last week and this week. In her state of state, she was very clear, we can't have random attacks like the attack in Grand Central Terminal that we had on Christmas Day when the two teenage girls were attacked by a mentally disturbed individual with a long arrest history. Governor was clear that we can't have uh, the things in the drugstores locked up behind plexiglass. You know, that makes everybody uncomfortable. But it's not clear that what she proposes will fix the problem. I mean, she's proposed more money for state police as this, the the merchants lobby has pointed out, state police doesn't really deal with shoplifting crime. I mean, this is really a local police matter, and where it's getting bogged down is not in policing. It's getting bogged down in the prosecution and the incarceration. So unless she can kind of change some of the DA's minds on prosecuting these crimes, People may say, you know, you said you were going to fix the problem and you didn't. But at least to her credit, she said she's going to work on fixing the problem. So we know who to hold responsible if she doesn't, which is her. Anything else you want to tell the uh, New Yorkers and uh, are we going to be able to bring back New York? Um, I mean, I would just point out on the budget cuts, you know, the library started closing on Sundays in December. It's not very expensive to keep the libraries open seven days a week. I mean, you're, it's you're not chump change, isn't it? Yeah, and so to cut the library's hours to save a minuscule amount of money, I think it's something like $23 million, um, it really sends the wrong message. I mean, you you have if you have Orthodox Jewish children who can't they can't go to the library on Saturday, uh, at least not if they want to use the computers. Then they can't, they won't be able to go on Sunday because the libraries are closed on Sunday. And and also, you know, other children, maybe their parents are working on Saturday, maybe they want to go to the library both weekend days. You know, these are very important resources for parents and children as well as elderly adults. And so, 
you know, for the mayor to say we everything is all better, but we're still going to keep the libraries closed on Sunday, it's maybe it's not, not the smart. best sign to send to people. Yes. Nicole Galinas, thank you for bringing everybody up to date, and uh, God bless you. And I pray for New York, and I love New York, and uh, God, I hope we continue to be able to continue to live here in a civilized world. Thank you so much. Me too. Thank you, John. The Cats Roundtable. Things are going on in Nassau County. We got a race. We got a congressional race in the middle of February. I think it's February 13th. Uh, with us yes. this morning is Mozzie Phillip. And she is running on uh, uh, for Congress, being supported by Republicans, being supported by Democrats, being supported by Conservative Party. Everybody supports Mozzie, but she's fighting a previous person that was Congress and on in the Congress in that area. And just people have to make a decision: what kind of Congress do they want? Do they want a Congress that's going to keep people safe? Or they're going to want a they want a Congress that's going uh, in in the wrong direction as they're being led right now. Uh, well, Mozzie Phillip, uh, welcome to uh, the Cats Roundtable uh, this morning. Uh, tell us, uh, uh, you you uh, were a member of the Israeli uh, Defense uh, Force. Was that the, the Israeli Army? Yes. Hi, John. First of all, Hi. thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. I serve in the Israeli army and uh, paratrooper brigade. I understood. And you're you're a woman. Uh, you were in the Israeli yes. army. I understand you're one tough lady. Uh, you want mm-hmm. law and order in uh, uh, in in the world, and you want law and order in Nassau County. Isn't that correct? Absolutely correct. This is all about safety. And in order to have safety, we need to support our law enforcement. And I have been very clear about this from the day I was running for a county legislator seat. I understand. And you won in the county legislature suite because people that live in Nassau County feel they want to be safe. They don't want to, you know, there's a problem in the five boroughs in New York where people are, are, are walking around, but they don't feel safe. Uh, but Nassau County, Suffolk County, uh, they they have drawn the line and say people are going to be safe in Nassau County and Suffolk County. Isn't that correct? Absolutely correct. Uh, you know, I understand people. I I live in Nassau. I live in Great Nick. I have seven children, and I can tell you, everybody's just worrying about their safety. And the fact that that we have extreme policies in our country that the left uh, Democratic Party is keep promoting and taking away uh, law enforcement tools, that's going to really take our society in the wrong direction. Therefore, I have been very tough when it comes to our law enforcement. We have to support them. As a county legislator, I made sure to have, in the last two years, 200 extra police officers in our department. And I was fully funded in them because I believe supporting them, that's the right things to do. This way they can bring safety to our county. Understood. So the most important thing is safety, safety, safety. And this new situation that the Democratic Party, the socialist portion of the Democratic Party is pushing, uh, of, uh, of these migrants, and they call them the people that want asylum, but it's not really asylum. You can't, you can't ask a billion people 
uh, want to come into the United States for asylum. I mean, it, the numbers don't work. I mean, uh, originally the word asylum was for only, you know, 20 people, 50 people, 100 people, not for millions and millions of people. I mean, it's out of control. Is that why you're supporting keeping Nassau County safe and the Republican Party and the Conservative Party uh, supports you as well as you're still a registered Democrat, but they, a lot of Democrats support you too. So here are the things when it comes to our border security. It's really unfortunate. Our president that was uh, elected by the American people and his Congress members are you know, supporting and securing our borders. And millions coming from there, we don't know if they are uh, criminals or terrorists and the amount of drugs that's coming from the borders, risking our children. It is insane. And it's just hard to believe why they will do so. And, and then please bringing so many of them without having any plan in place. It is absolutely a disaster and our obligation first and most to the American people securing our borders. This is what I'm going to do in Congress. Well, thank you. That's what, that's what the American people want. Um, what else would you like to tell the people of Nassau County? And there's some people in Queens uh, as part of the congressional district too, right? Exactly. The Queens, they have uh, some part of Queens in this uh, district uh, that I'm running. Uh, listen, I am here, uh, not as a politician, uh, you know, I am a mother. I'm a mother and I am an immigrant. Uh, my husband immigrated to this country from Ukraine. We appreciate this country. This country has been uh, kind for us and we build uh, the American dream here. And I do believe, you know, we have to support immigration, but it has to be in the right way and the legal way. The way the Democratic Party is doing it is so wrong in every level. Not just as wrong for the American people, but so wrong for the migrants. They're bringing them here without any plan, putting them uh, living in a tent. It is absolutely a disaster. And I can tell you, I immigrated to this country twice. You don't know what it takes for, for somebody to leave their own home and come to a new country. The amount of uh, resources, country that's well, well, willing to accept, it's so high. If you don't have that, you are going to fail. You're going to fail because people will be very miserable. They will feel miserable. They're going to turn to crime, and that's not what you want. So, yes, for immigration, but it has to be done in the right way. Biden and Thomas Wazi, who have been there in Congress uh, six years, he and, and Biden and the left uh, progressive uh, member of Congress are responsible for the chaos right now we are having in our border. I agree with you, and that's why I personally support you. Uh, the name is Mozzie Phillip, running for Congress in, in Nassau County and uh, parts of, uh, uh, of uh, Queens County, and you're running against, uh, uh, on a, well, a Tom Swansea, but you're, you know, Tom Swansea is supporting uh, President Biden, and you're supporting law and order, and you're supporting... Uh, you know, protecting our borders, right? Exactly. Absolutely. That's the reason why I can tell you I, I got endorsed by the three uh, police union. There is a reason for that. I'm the only candidate in this race uh, was supported by the three major uh, police union because I work with them. I care about our law enforcement. I care about the safety of our country and our county. Swazi was there. He just created more mess. No way he will go back. 
uh, to fix it because he's, he's not capable to do so. And for Swazi, maybe it's another two years of term and a job as a politician. For me, it's, it's obligation because I love this country. And I want to be clear when I go to Congress and a voice for the American people. And the only one who can really deliver this is just me, absolutely no Swazi. He is just old politician who cares about politics and power. When a mother decided to go to put the uniform to be the voice for the American people, I mean it. Marzi Phillip for Congress, thank you for coming on this Sunday morning on the Cats Roundtable. And uh, God bless you. Let's save America. Let's save Nassau County. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, John. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. With us this Sunday morning is Steve Cates, a good friend, otherwise known as Dr. Sky. Uh, Steve Cates, uh, good morning this Sunday morning. Uh, what's new to this week? Well, good morning, John. Good to be back on the Cats Roundtable every week here. Let's journey way out into the cosmos where we talk about things called black holes. Hard enough to understand, and in the simplest way we can describe it this morning as people wake up and listen, these are areas in space that have great gravity pressure, let's say. They pull in light, heat, and everything. But astronomers are now saying that there may be these tiny, primordial black holes, maybe even small as the size of an asteroid, that permeate the universe. And the interesting thing about this, John, is that if these little tiny black holes were even to get close to the Earth, nothing that we can prove, they obviously send out these things called gravitational waves. And what's that? The gravitational wave, you wouldn't want to run into it. It's a ripple in space-time, which means that it actually changes the bending of time and space. Totally amazing stuff. And just to let everybody know on the theoretical side, if one the size of an asteroid got within, let's say, 200 million miles of the Earth, it would definitely warp the Earth's orbit and many of the other planets. Isn't that a fascinating way to begin someday to open up? Well, well, I hope it doesn't happen for a few thousand years. <laughs> right, absolutely. Amazing stuff from the world of science. But, John, if we go closer in toward the planets, like the planet Mars, we know that the Perseverance rover is doing a great job on the surface. It's actually doing something that many people may not realize because ingenuity, the helicopter, has really taken over first prize. Perseverance is actually doing something interesting. It's catch capturing, that is, samples of the Martian surface, the geologic material rocks, and putting them in little test tubes. And it's dropping them on the surface of Mars and also storing them on board. Why? Because eventually NASA wants to do something called Mars Sample Return Mission. And what's that in a nutshell? It's a mission that would send an orbiter to Mars, a lander. It would scoop up the little vials of material and send it back to the Earth. But let's hold the phone, because now it's an over-budget project. It would be over $8 billion to do this particular sample return mission. So it'll probably happen. But as many things we're hearing, like the NASA moon mission and also this Mars sample return mission, it's probably going to have to be a lot later in time as they can focus on the budget. Interesting, though, nonetheless. Uh, understood. And the, 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 the moon mission, the Mars mission, uh, there's delays going on in NASA. What, what do you hear? On yes. That? We do. We're hearing that Artemis II, which was originally scheduled to launch in October of this year, obviously looks like it will be pushed back, who knows, maybe into 2025. And then the big creme de la creme, as they say, the Artemis III, that's the landing on the surface of the moon, that might have been predicted to happen as early as 2026. 
is probably going to have to be pushed back a number of years. Now, I say this. This is just my opinion, open to everybody's opinion, too. Why the rush? I mean, we've done this before. Obviously, with budget overruns, we look at the privatized part of the world, you know, with the Elon Musk story and SpaceX. And we have to remember that Elon is going to develop the lunar lander that's now in his testing for his giant rocket, the big starship. So I simply say this. Let's do it right. Let's do it safely. And they're also looking to build a lunar space station, which is very important, called Gateway. So there's your summary on that, John. It's uh you know, maybe troubled times. Remember, NASA's budget is very small in comparison to many of the other federal agencies. And I do think they do a lot with a little. But what say you on that? You know, I, my mind wanders all the time. And uh, especially with the Mars rovers, uh, if, if they're looking for something or if they're finding something, uh, that, 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 that really uh, uh, gets to me. And, and uh with learning more about the planets, uh, Jupiter. And, and I know this is just the beginning, but uh, at my age, I'd like to find out sooner than later. What say you? I agree, John. But again, let's do it safe and let's do it the right way. And I think those rewards will come. But John, one more thing I wanted to mention today. This is quite interesting because this affects people, not in an alarmist way, closer to home with earthquakes. The U.S. Geological Survey has put out a brand new map, and the map doesn't say much, but the words behind it say that nearly 75% of the U.S. could be under earthquake watch and alerts. Well, we've known this for a long time. The new map indicates areas that are hotspots. We know that, Alaska, areas of California, the Yellowstone region, of course, in the far top of, of Wyoming. And if that ever blew with the giant caldera volcano, that would be very devastating. But how about some trivia going back to earthquakes in America? Many people may not realize, back in Missouri, the new Madrid earthquake that occurred back in December of 1811 was an 8.2. And even today, the city of Memphis, Tennessee, and other cities along the new Madrid fault could be under an alert that, of course, we need to be watchful for. Not much we can do about it. The largest earthquake that we ever recorded in the world, at least that's what we know in modern times, that occurred back in May of 1960 when a 9.5 earthquake, John, occurred in Chile. And as we talk about this, California's largest earthquake was back in 1857, a 7.9 on the Richter scale. So hopefully they're getting more focus on where these regions of activity could be and maybe give us some sort of an early prediction. But as you know, earthquakes do exactly what they want. Yes, there, there, there is no way to control those earthquakes that we know about. Uh, let me ask yes. a question. The weather. Yes. Are we working on being able to control the weather better? Maybe, John, you know, the weather yes. controls the earth and the temperatures. But are we able mm -hmm. to control where the weather hits, whether it hits in a, a major city or hits in the middle of the ocean? Not at this point, John. But then I don't want to sound conspiracy, but here we go. There's been stories about this for a long time that geoengineering has been in full force. And there were a lot of experiments done in Alaska in which they were sending out these ripples and waves into the upper atmosphere. But I think that's something that we'll both do some exploration on, because if I go further on this, I might sound totally conspiratorial. But there are many people out there that seriously believe from the concept of chemtrails to other vibrations in the earth, inducing these low frequency you know, radio waves. That could be part and parcel, but I stop and give you science. 
And I say that again, and we say it proudly and confidently, all weather comes from the sun, and that's something we need to study in much greater details. Why, John? Because we're in the throes of the solar cycle 25, and those powerful CMEs and solar flares really have a devastating effect on the Earth, as it's had many times in the past. But, you know, that's a good subject. I'd like to explore that more about what weather-inducing uh, experiments have been done let's, let's and do what may let's be fact that. from fiction. Absolutely. Thank you, Steve Cates, Dr. Sky, and we'll talk to you again uh, real soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Have a good morning. Thank you for being with us for the Cats Roundtable Local Edition, the number one show on Sunday mornings in New York. Keep listening to us for the Cats Roundtable National Edition between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. So we'll be back to you in a few minutes after the news.